friend of mine, one of my really, really best friends in the UK, she is 47 years old. She's a little bit older than me. I know I don't look that old. And, um, and she also has been struggling to fall pregnant. And when Paul was here, I shared that same word um, with her, and I recorded it, and I sent it to her. And she also, can you believe it? It's like Sarah, at 47 years old, has fallen pregnant with her first child. So, so she's, she's like a sister to me. So, so I get to be an auntie to yet another person. Um, another testimony I want to share is some of you will have gotten last week or the week before, but it was about 10 days ago, a message from this same friend of mine about her friend in the UK called Michelle, who'd had a really, really massive car accident. And um, she was taken to hospital, massive head injuries. The doctors were like, this is going to take months for her to get better. She was put into an induced coma. It was going terribly for about a day or two. And then all of a sudden, God just started moving. I sent out a prayer request. We were praying. The church in the UK, our Every Nation Church there was praying. And guess what? Yesterday, she got up. She put on her own pajamas. She had her own shower. She started eating her own food. She started whispering words or two. So God is doing some amazing things in our midst. Isn't it exciting? I want to introduce you to another little person, this person that's going to come up on the screen. Uh, this is Sadie. Some of you also will remember Sadie, those of you who are in our prayer team from about 90, 18 months ago, a year and a half ago. Sadie has a condition called Turner Syndrome. And um, I just want to read you what her mom wrote to me because I said to her mom, please can you just let me know exactly what it is that the doctor said? Because we knew it was bad, but we didn't know how bad it was. So this is what she said. When she had the Turner's diagnosis, they advised that only 1% make it to birth. The others either miscarry or are stillborn. The heart condition that she had said it was so extreme that it may not be considered viable to even do a surgery that it could be corrected. On the day she had surgery, they had to do it twice in the same day because the first time it failed. Doesn't it sound bad? She nearly didn't make it. We were literally praying and praying and trusting and believing for what, for what God would do. <laughs> show the next slide. I wanted to show you videos, but they're not here. This, this, is a, this is a video that would have been a video of uh, Lord bless our multimedia with videos. This would have been a video of Sadie, who's now 15 months on. Her feeding tube was removed only a month ago. But she is winking. She's trying, this would video of trying to, her trying to wink. She's trying to say the word dinosaur. If you listen to the one video, you can see on the left-hand side there, she's busy eating her dad's burrito. With a feeding tube only just gone not long ago, she's already starting to take her first steps. Isn't God good? Look at that. She's such a cutie. I can't wait to meet her. I'm going to go meet her next year. She's also in England, so see you then. Um, <laughs> but at the beginning of this, I said to you, God is good. And a lot of you responded all the time. What if I changed the phrasing slightly and I said, God is good all the time? Where would your thinking fit into the way I just said it? Because you see, it's very easy to hear great testimonies. It's very easy to hear these amazing things that God is doing. 
It's very easy to hear God doing good stuff. We thank God for even last weekend, we were expecting a mess in South Africa and look what God did. But my question to you this morning is, is God really good all the time? And you might up here say, of course he is. I know that he is. But in your thinking and in your experience, is God good all the time? You will see up there, there are three pictures. I wanted to share a little bit about me. My name is Sam, for those of you who didn't get that yet. I'm pastor in the house, have been for a few years. Got saved on campus ministry. Any campus students here? That's the place where it all happens, man. Um, <laughs> and um, I was born with a, with a vein abnormality in my right arm. And when I was born, the doctors and various doctors within the first two years across the nation, across the country, said to my mom and dad that probably by the time Sam is six, maybe pushing her to 12, her arm probably will not work anymore. I'm 50 this year. For those of you at the back who didn't hear, I'm 50 this year. When I got to 12, the goalpost shifted. All of a sudden, the doctor said, because of the vein abnormality, because of the weak bones that Sam has in her arm, because of the possibility that if she cuts her arm, she could possibly bleed to death, she probably won't make it until 21. I know that's how young I look today, but <laughs> last year, I want to just tell you, I just want to show you how if you experience God, your thinking about God can change. Last year in January, I broke this arm, which is the worst thing that could ever have happened. Some of you know, because number one, they can't operate on it because of the vein abnormality. And number two, the bone is so weak that even if they could operate on it and attach something to the bone to stabilize the bone, it would, it would actually make the rest of the bone even weaker. So there is only one other option. That is to believe what we are told when God says that he is good. So it hasn't always been easy. I'm not standing up here as one saying to you, it's so easy, trust God, everything's gonna be okay. That's not what I'm doing. But what I am telling you is that if you journey with God, something good happens. If you look at the x-rays that are up there on the screen, you will see three different x-rays. And any of you who know anything about a bone, it's supposed to be on an x-ray white in your body. You can see from those three x-rays that the bone in my right arm is not white because it is so badly dense. It's so, it's so osteoporotic that there is hardly any bone there. The break was there and they wanted to operate on the break, but they couldn't. So it was just like, okay, we're going to just trust God. We're going to get put on bone medication and we're going to trust God. Guess what happened after three or four months? The middle x-ray that's got a blue arrow pointing to it my bones started to disappear. So I ask you, God is good all the time? So here goes this person who has got good friends, and some of you are sitting here in front of me. The faith that can move a mountain, I believe it. I believe it for other people. If you came to me and you said to me, as I've prayed before with other people, someone's back will be healed, someone's bone will grow. I've seen people's legs grow. 
I have seen things happen. I have seen things happen. I've seen God do stuff. But my bone in my arm is getting worse. So what do you, what do, you do in that situation? You, you question God is good all the time. This is not where the sermon ends. You're looking a bit downcast. <laughs> you will see on the third x-ray that is there up on the screen that after taking the bone medicine that I'm taking now and the doctor says forever, I'm still trusting for my miracle, that the bone, the cortex, the outside part of the bone, can you see it? It's better than it was in the middle x-ray. This is what God used. He didn't cause it. He didn't do it but he used it. He used a disappearing bone to rebuild a new bone without a break in it. That's what he did. I went to actually have my checkup on this six-month checkup this last week for my arm, and the doctor said to me, the cortex has improved slightly, but the bone break is gone. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. But here's the thing that happens is that our thoughts and our experiences can define what we believe about God. Sometimes, sometimes our thinking has to be challenged so that we believe it. But I want to tell you this. God is good. He's better than you think. He is so much better than you think. If you think about what happened in this universe that we live in and this, this place that we call this part of our eternal home, the next bit is yet to come. I'm looking forward to that bit. But if you've, read any, if you've ever read anything to do with the Bible, the Genesis sticks out to me when we think about God being good. Because God made various parts of his creation and he could only replicate himself. Any person who does science will know that things replicate themselves, right? If you put a little bit of fungus in a dark place, what happens? You get more. If you put a bad apple with other apples, what happens? They all get bad. So things replicate after themselves. God could only create good because he is good. He couldn't replicate anything other than what was there already in him. It's not that he's doing good. It's that he is good. He is intrinsically good. If we look at Genesis, he created things. And what did he say? He said at the end of it all, he said, it is very good. You are very good because you are made replicated in the image of God. You are very good. The things that he does are very good. And the thing is this, is that personal experience can sometimes sway us from believing that. So the question, this is the hard part about preaching about God is good. What's the opposite of good? Bad, evil, suffering. Anyone experienced bad, evil, or suffering lately? Right. Thank you for the honest people that put up their hand. For the rest of you, God bless you. <laughs> But, but here's the paradox when it comes to God is good, is that if God is good, there must, the opposite of that, the, the thing that we have to then think about and struggle with, and I see a church even down the road this morning was preaching about, so if God is good, 
then why is there bad? Why is there suffering? Why is there evil? And it's very, very simply this. If we know that God can only create good, and if we know that he is good, and he's given man the choice to choose between good and evil, guess where the evil and the suffering comes from? Comes from our choices. Right in the beginning. And the, the thing with choosing that is if we, if we choose the lie, we empower the liar. If we choose the bad, we empower the bad. But the converse is also true. If we choose Jesus, guess what? We experience truth. We experience this good God that we know about and that we talk about and that we have the ability to believe. There's a lady called Amy Or Ewing, who's a theologist and a, an academic, beautiful, beautiful person um, who lives in, in the UK, but she travels broadly. She's an apologist. And she said, I don't know if any of you will remember, a couple of years ago in London, there was a, a tower called the Grenfell Tower that caught a light. And this huge tower block of which there are many in London with many people all crammed into one space, caught a light. And people had chosen to put the wrong kind of insulation in the walls. And instead of putting the right insulation in, this particular insulation that they put in was more like a catalyst to a fire than something that quenched the fire. And this building burned with hundreds of innocent people inside. They couldn't get out. There was just too much smoke, too much fire. It killed firemen. It, children were stuck inside. It was a school holiday, so the children were in. They weren't at school. Hundreds of people literally burned alive. And Amy was standing. She went to go and visit the site, and she was standing outside, and she said this. She said, the fact that we want justice about things like this shows that we are made in his image. The fact that you want justice about things that are going wrong in this country shows that there is good in you and that you are made in his image. It shows that God is good. She said that's why it hurts when injustice, evil, and suffering happen. Because he's in me and he's around me and it matters in this broken world. It matters in this broken world because of the goodness of God. God is good. He's absolutely good. This is the other thing I absolutely love about Jesus. Um, some people alluded to it when we were in worship, and Chris alluded to it when he was doing the offering message. Jesus suffered on the cross for you and as you. He suffered for what you've done, and he suffered instead of you suffering for what you should have done, right? So he, he did that in the past. Here's what I love about our God, is that not only did he do it then once, he says to us right now, in every single day, in every single moment, lo, I am, be with, I am with you. Behold, I am with you. I will be with you wherever you go. Guess, that what, guess what that means? He's suffering with you again. In your suffering again today, he's suffering with you again. 2,000 years ago on the cross, he died for the healing of my arm. 
He did it. He paid the price. The best three words that I know that are not in the Bible are I don't know. I don't know why it is like it is. I don't know why I have to journey the way I journey, but God. But God is with me again now, even as I journey through it again, he's with me again. So he suffered then, and he su- who would do that twice? Which God do you know that would do that twice? There's only one that I know that would do it. I want to tell you a story about Jesus. You'll know this story. It's found in Matthew 12. Jesus is doing all sorts of things. There's people receiving sight. There's lame walking. There's lepers being cleansed. There's deaf hearing, dead being raised, good news being preached. And we pick up in Matthew 12, verse 9, and it says this. He sent on, he went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they may accuse him? And he said to them, which one of you has a sheep if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it out? Verse 12 carries on. Of how much more value is man than a sheep? A farmer might disagree. So is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him on how to destroy him. Verse 15 goes on and says, many followed him and he healed them all. I want to just stop there. Here's Jesus wandering around doing Jesus. He's just being Jesus. If he sees sick, he heals. If he sees lame people, he gets them walking. If he sees people who can't see, he gets them seeing. If he sees people can't hear, he gets them talking. If he sees people who are demon-possessed, he sets them free. He heals all. Do you get the picture? Later on in the chapter, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. These people were the same people that had seen all of the same stuff. How do we know? Because they were following him, trying to conspire against him to catch him out. Do you ever feel like the enemy is trying to catch you out? So what is the difference between what some of the people saw and experienced and then the scribes and the Pharisees or the scabs and the parasites, as Pastor Andrew would say, the reason why they're not here, by the way, is because they're gallivanting around England, setting people free and teaching them how to hear God's voice. So we bless them as they're in Europe, amen? But here's the truth. What we believe determines how good we think God is. It doesn't determine how good God is. He's absolutely good. But what we believe determines how good we think he is. You see, these men had seen exactly the same stuff, but they didn't realize the greater reality that there was there to see. They didn't recognize the freedom that these people were walking in. They didn't recognize the healing that was going on around them. They weren't looking at the good things that Jesus was doing They were just trying to look at their own belief system and trying to catch him out. But what do we know about Jesus? Jesus says this many times in the Gospels. He says he only does what he sees his father doing. And so if he was going around doing good everywhere that he went, 
I know then that my Father in heaven is good. Everywhere that he goes. And I know then that Holy Spirit, and if you didn't hear about Holy Spirit and, and the three in one, please listen to the first sermon of this series where Pastor Carol talks about it. But Holy Spirit, therefore, also is good, is with us, is good with us. I want to challenge you about this. Oh, you know WhatsApp? Everyone loves WhatsApp, right? WhatsApp groups. I hate WhatsApp groups. Have you got a WhatsApp group on your phone that you are part of that you mute? Have you got a WhatsApp group on your phone that you are part of that you wish you could mute? Staff, you are not allowed to say anything right now. But here's what I want to challenge us with with our thinking is that it's so easy to get focused away from a greater reality because we're giving screen time, we're giving energy, we're giving input time to groups that we shouldn't be focusing on. I'm not saying get out of your work groups. That's not what I'm saying. You understand I'm using an illustration here. And what I'm trying to say is that there are things that take our focus away from Jesus. News is one of those things. It's very good to listen to the news for short periods of time to find out what's going on in the world. Yes? It is very bad to listen to the news more than you're listening to Jesus, more than you're spending time in the Word, more than you're communing with believers, and more than you're practicing His presence. That is not a good idea. But how do we get to this place where we actually start to understand more and believe more about the fact that God is good? I'm so glad you asked that question. Thank you for asking. I'm about to answer it for you. Proximity brings encounter. Proximity brings encounter. There's a verse in Psalm 34 that says, taste, we all know it, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Can you taste something from far away? So if I had a cake up here and I said to you, taste the cake, could you taste the cake from where you are? You couldn't. So you might not be able to see that the cake is a chocolate cake, although the color might give it away. However, do you know that what else is brown? Ants, before you go to the wrong place. Ants are brown. You wouldn't know whether ants are in my chocolate cake. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The word taste is an interesting word in Hebrew. I'm not going to try and say it. Maybe I will. Ta'am. It's a nice word. It means to taste, to experience, to encounter. It's more than just what we think is a physical taste. It talks about having new encounters with God. It's not a once-off thing. Anybody ever tasted an olive and not liked it? There's hands going up at the back. <laughs> tasted an olive and not liked it, right? I used to hate olives. Now I don't like a salad without an olive. Anyone else like Brussels sprouts? Oh, you see, mixed reactions. But if you don't taste something for yourself, you don't encounter it, for yourself, experience it for yourself. 
That's the thing with all these testimonies that I told you. That's what I think has, has spoken to me so much with my journey with my arm, is that if I hadn't experienced it myself, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be the person where I am. I wouldn't believe for other people the things that I can believe for them. Because God uses this for other people, not just for me. If I hadn't seen that a baby that is close to my family that prayed for that nearly died within the first month, then had to have two major surgeries on the same day, and now 15 months later, you must see the smile on my face when I get a video from my friend. I feel like she's my baby, you know? I've told her if she ever goes missing, she must just come find her. She's at my house. She's safe. But unless you experience it for yourself, and that's what that word taste is all about. The word see is also an interesting word. It's the word ra. And it means to have vision, to look at each other, to gaze upon each other. Those of you who've ever been in love, <laughs> and those of you who are yet to be in love, the best thing ever is to gaze, to gaze into each other's eyes. There's some married people now doing a quick gaze. They're like, date, date night is later. And those of you who are not there yet, practice gazing. Practice gazing into Jesus' face. Because that's the place where you should be gazing. So practice gazing. But it speaks so loudly, this word see, about our perspective. As we taste and as we see that the Lord is good, it means to experience. It means our perspective changes. If I just had to look at those x-rays, that middle x-ray that I showed you with the blue arrow, if I just had to be gazing at that x-ray with my arm, Mm. If I didn't have the word of God saying something different to what the x-ray said, if I didn't have friends standing with me, laying hands, believing, trusting that something different is going to happen, if I didn't have the word of God saying, which I'm going to get to, that God uses everything. God always does something good. The nice thing about being a person who tastes is that it makes you hungrier. If I go into the office with a piece of chicken, especially if it's from Nando's, look, Moose's face already is just lit. I wish you could see it. It's just lit up. Have you ever, have you ever been in that place where somebody gives you a taste of something and then it's finished? What does it feel like? You want more. This is what I can promise you about Jesus. If you taste, you will want more. When you taste Jesus, you will want more. See, my journey with my arm hasn't made me feel frustrated. There were moments of frustration, but it hasn't made me at this moment feel frustrated, feel like I'm disqualified to pray for other people, feel like I'm never going to see breakthrough. Guys, it's made me more determined than ever that if God can do something good for me, even if it's the smallest bit of life I'm taking, then he can do it for you. And that's the place that we need to be in and the place that we need to hang on to because his goodness is beyond our ability to comprehend. 
Bill Johnson says, Bill Johnson says his goodness is beyond our ability to comprehend, but not our ability to experience. We cannot, we cannot get to the end of what God's goodness looks like. We cannot, but we can experience it. In Acts 3 and 4, there's a story of a man sitting at a gate outside the temple, begging for, for, for anything, for food, for something, so that he can get um, to a place of, of, of understanding some freedom. If you go and read Acts 3 and 4, you will see it. And at one stage, even though Jesus had walked past this man into the temple many times, Jesus then got crucified, died, rose again, hallelujah. Peter and John are now walking past the same place. Guess what happens? They stop and they say to this man, what are you looking for? And he was asking for money. But this is what he did. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something. I don't know whether this man, who the Bible tells us was 40 years old, had ever fixed his attention on Jesus when Jesus had walked past. My guess is not. Because in this moment, he fixed his attention on them. And if you know anything about the Bible, they say, silver and gold I have not, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And this guy got up, started praising. All sorts of people found out what was going on. And later on, after they've been arrested, the apostles been arrested, they're in front of the religious leaders. The religious leaders cannot deny what has happened because they can see this man who for 40 years had been lame, sitting outside the gate, now leaping and praising God. And this is what they said. They recognized that he had be, they had been with Jesus. When you have been with Jesus, people recognize it. They can see it. When you have been with Jesus, proximity brings encounter. That being close to Jesus, the tasting. I can't offer you chewing gum and keep it up here. I have to give it to you for you to be able to taste it and see that chewing gum is only good for a short while. If you ever noticed, that's why you find so much under a school desk. But they recognized that they'd been with Jesus as they fixed their eyes on him. That's not to say sometimes hardships don't follow. After, the, after these, this miracle happened, the disciples found us, themselves in front of the religious leaders being grilled about what they'd just done. Hardship followed. But they couldn't despite the fact that they recognized that they'd been with Jesus. The last point that I want to make is this. From Paul, Paul Manwaring, he was here not long ago. He used to be a leader in Bethel. He now has churches that he oversees and works with in the UK. Fantastic man of God. And he said this. He paraphrased Romans 8. You know Romans 8 says, God uses all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Paul says this like this, which stuck in my head. And any of you who have ever done any course with me ever will know that I've said this before. Our good God wastes nothing and he gets you ready. He uses all things 
even that thing that you are thinking right now is the most impossible thing. He uses it. He uses all things. He used my disappearing bone, which everyone was so worried about, to recreate a new bone without a break. He uses everything. He used Sadie being so sick to up my prayer life, up my level of faith, up my level of believing and trusting for miracles, so much so that I get to testify about it. He used a friend of ours dying during COVID, Ayanda, to start revival meetings in the morning so that others can be blessed through it. He uses everything. And not only does he use everything, he uses it for your purpose. He gets you ready. If you had told me 40 years ago, 30 years ago, let me not make myself older than I am, that I would be standing publicly sharing about the good things that God has done in an arm that doesn't look right, that doesn't work right, I would have laughed in your face. Because I first of all would have believed the doctors over Jesus because I wasn't saved then. And I would have said to you, the doctor said it's not going to work, so it's not true. But when we get to that place of encounter, of proximity, of trusting God, of believing God, of tasting and seeing, how do we taste and see? We taste and see through being with like-minded people. Be with people who are going to lift you up. If you're not in a connect group, get into a connect group. One of the people in Zarina and I were in a connect group many years ago after Zarina first got saved. And she's one of the people that I can be feeling as low as anything. And there will be a message that all of a sudden will come through my phone. Asking how I am. What's happening? God's got this. God's got you. Hopefully it's the same with her. When she's having a hard time, I will hear God. God, and I'll say, friend, breakthrough's coming. Something good's about to happen. Because I know God uses everything for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. He uses it all. He wastes absolutely nothing. There's things that have happened to me that I've shared testimony about during Victory Weekend. He wastes nothing. There's a story, and I'm going to start closing off with this. There's a story in Genesis, which is the story of Joseph. You all know Joseph, sold by his brothers into slavery, the favorite one, sold by his brothers into slavery, ended up in a prison, and then he ended up in Potiphar's house, then he ended up doing all sorts of things. And when his brothers came to him, after all this bad that had happened, and then all this good that had happened, and he ended up saving literally a nation because of the dreams that he'd had and the way he knew how to save stuff in a land or in when it was a time of drought. And he says this, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, not just for him, but to bring about that many people would be kept alive as they are today. It wasn't just about Joseph getting free. Many people were kept alive because of it. Yes, there's been times when I felt like giving up. <laughs> like you have. Yes, there's been times when I've said God is good all the time. But when those moments happen, the best thing to do is to taste and see. I get with Jesus I experience him. I get my proximity levels close to Jesus. I get people around me. I phone my friends. I tell them I'm having a hard time. And what happens when you taste and see? Your perspective changes. 
you start to see that God actually is good. And the question becomes a statement and it becomes an undeniable statement that God is good. I'm determined to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen.